is Christopher Lee and Getty Lee were married. I know. <laughs> they would be the oddest couple ever. <laughs> Christopher Lee's all spooky and Getty Lee's like, ah! but they're both. They both have albums of hard rock material. Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mark. This is episode 38 of Midsummer Maniacs. Orcus Fatalis. Yes. Not Orchid Fatalis. No. Orcus Fatalis. Orcus Fatalis. Uh, just a warning off the top, if uh, the show is too much for your kids, the podcast probably is too, and we're going to talk about some naughty stuff today. So There's a lot of naughty stuff in this episode. Yeah. Whether it's necessary or not, I'm not What's sure. What's talked about? I don't know. <laughs> it referred to naughtiness. There's a lot of referred to naughtiness. There's not. There's no naughtiness on, on, like on screen. No. Okay, so before we dive in, a couple things off the top. We have... 20,000 downloads. That's amazing. Thank you all so <laughs> freaking much. That's insane. It's so crazy to me that that many people are listening, but I'm so happy that they are. So I looked into how to tell if your podcast is successful. Yeah. Yep. And I found an interesting stat. 20,000 downloads is weird because you could have one episode with 10,000 downloads that went viral and then right. 15 episodes that have like 50. Each, right. right. And that yeah. wouldn't be successful. That one episode might be, but the show in general wouldn't be. Oh, and first of all, I want to say right off the top, we consider what we've done incredibly successful. Oh, yeah. Like, thank you all so much. Like, Way I, beyond anything we expected. I cannot believe this, how the year has changed. Because yeah. of this. If a new episode that you have within 30 days, this is a good metric. I like this metric because it it's it shows you're releasing new episodes. And within 30 days within, of the release. Within 30 days, you have a certain number of listens. It tells whether or not where you are in the hierarchy of podcasts. Okay. Now, somewhere in the neighborhood of 70,000 podcasts are released monthly on Apple. Mm-hmm. Right. Episodes so, or new shows? New shows. Okay. Epi- sorry, episodes. Episodes of episodes. shows. Okay. 70,000 podcasts, which I didn't think was as much as I thought it would be. Yeah, I, I would have guessed a higher number. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it might be a higher number and certainly more on YouTube than that. Yeah, because there are like episodes from like Planet Money. They put something out every day. Yeah. So they're putting out like 30 episodes a month. I think it's 70,000 podcasts Put out an episode, at least an episode in a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so not because sem- I bet you there's 70,000 brand new podcasts a day. Maybe. I, I, don't, I know. don't know. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> if you have 136 downloads in the first 30 days, you are in the top 50% of podcasts. Wow. So immediately you take half of all podcasts and get rid of them. Those poor people making episodes that nobody ever listens to or finds. Yeah, find a obscure podcast and listen to it and tweet 
or message the creator that's at, at saying you enjoyed it, if you did, mm-hmm. you will make their day. Yeah. And if you have 1,100 downloads in a month, you're in the top 20% of podcasts. Wow. So how many do you think we get on average in 30 days? I don't know. We, on average, in 30 days, get almost 300 downloads. That's awesome. Which means we are somewhere in the middle. That means every day 10 people are listening. Yes. That's great. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, And I think that's actually going up. That, Uh, That makes it more than worth doing. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of between 50 and 150 views on a regular basis every day. That's great. Which means two people are downloading our podcast every hour of the day. <laughs> Which is just nutsy. Yeah. Mostly because like I can see one of the podcasts I looked at, they were like, oh, we get like 1,500 views in 30 days. And I was like, well, how long is your podcast? It was eight minutes. Yeah. I was like, well, of course you do. We do four hours a month, man. <laughs> More than four hours. We do. Our podcast is long. First of all, thank you for listening to all our goings Shenanigans. on. Shenanigans. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think, I think to be somewhere between the top 50 and the top 20% of all podcasts is absolutely stunning. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Because I have listened to... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts. Yeah, both and, of us have. And I, I can I can say that nothing frustrates me more than finding one that is like super exciting. I'm like, wow, I want to listen to every episode of this. And then I notice that the last episode was released like three years ago. They make like six. Yeah. I'm like, oh. And I get so sad. <laughs> I find that with comic podcasts and gaming podcasts. Yeah. Game development podcasts. But it is hard to do. It is. It's incredibly hard to do. And I think one of the things that we did that was smart early on was we picked a topic that we had ready content for. We don't have to come up with something to talk about next week. We know what we're going to talk about next week. And that's one of the big challenges I think people run into is they just run out of content. Yeah. Content. But Midsummer just keeps going, baby. We have a continually growing content base. Yes. And we're so glad that you're all here to listen and we appreciate it. And your feedback and your comments and all that stuff matters a lot to us. Yes. It's so important to us. We don't make Thank a dime you. off of it. Thank we just you. do it because Thank we you. just like doing it. We just like doing it. Yep. We like sharing time with each other and with you. Oh, especially during these trying times. Number two, the Midsummer official Facebook and Instagram accounts and Twitter feeds have had a thing going on that we mentioned last week. Right. Which was you The ultimate official top 50 episodes of Midsummer Ever kind of list. Yes. So you gave in five and then they compiled the list of all the people. Right. Yeah. To come up with the top 50 episodes and they're counting them down backwards starting at 50. Yes. And they make nice little videos on Instagram and Facebook for for each. They're about 30 seconds long. It's a nice little video on each. Cool. So coming in at number 50. With a bullet. Dark Riders, season 15, episode one. The Headless Horseman. Yep. That was fun. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, then Dark Secrets at 49. That's episode, season 14, episode two. That's with the hoarders. Mm-hmm. The old people hoarding in the house. They live in a stack of newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
48, Second Sight, okay. which is uh, coming up. Yep. Season 8, Episode 5. It's coming up for us. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to talk about that yeah. when we get to that episode. And 47 is Sins of Commission. I don't know if they're doing it on Saturday and Sunday. I would hope these people take a break. <laughs> they work very hard. But it's 50 days. So that's a lot if you don't do it on the weekends, too. Yeah. They could auto post, I'm sure. They could. Um, they're very nice. The people who run all those accounts have messaged me a couple of times, and they're all super nice. And they're all super supportive of the, the podcast. We are not an official podcast. No. And they would stress that, but they sure love us. They listen to us in the office. So that's fun. That's fantastic. <laughs> I think it's Hello, great. official Midsummer social media people. You're we love awesome. you too. Yeah. So I don't know if one got released today or not. I didn't check, but that's what we have so far this week. I like all those episodes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Of- I think we're going to see earlier seasons mentioned higher up on the list the old favorites that everybody loves are in these first like 10 seasons yeah the little video for sins of commission had the news had the article with the microsoft installation text in it i mentioned that in the comments (laughs) because you know i mentioned stuff like because you're that kind of nerd (laughs) all right are you ready to dive in we are this is uh Orcus Fatalis, filmed in July and August 2004, which is kind of nice because it's a real flowery episode. Mm-hmm. Um, broadcast date, the 9th of January 2005 to 8.74 million viewers. Directed by Peter Smith and written by Terry Hodgkinson. Okay. Now, he's quite the guy. Terry Hodgkinson? Yes. How so? Well, for one thing, he came up earlier this week because... He wrote an episode of Lovejoy called The Tax Man, The Axeman Cometh. Isn't there a midsummer called The Axeman Cometh? Yes. There's, yes. There's, they With both the rock have, band. Yes. That is the rock band. Yeah. But in the Lovejoy episode, there is a guy carrying an axe. <laughs> Not a guitar axe. <laughs> and there's a tax lady. Oh. Like there's a play yeah. on the whole play on the words here. And uh, it's it's interesting because he's quite the interesting cat. In the Midsummer magazine, talks about how he went to Spain at one point to earn a living, and he got jobs working on movies, spaghetti westerns, okay. doing English translation. Mm. And through that, he met Salvador Dali and became pretty good friends with Salvador Dali. What did Salvador Dali have to do with spaghetti westerns? Uh, he did like paintings and stuff like that. Oh, okay. And production design. And, oh, okay. I didn't know. You that. know, it's famous people in Spain. Barcelona, yeah. you know. Barcelona. It can't, be, it can't be all that big. But he picked up his wife in the best way possible. Picked her up. You yep. mean met her? Both. Okay. He was going to Salvador's for drinks, Mm -hmm. and he saw this fine-looking young lady hitchhiking, and he stopped the car, and he said, would you rather come to Salvador Dali's house for a drink instead of where you're going? That's a pretty good pickup line. That's a pretty good pickup line. And she said yes, and they I can take you where you're going, or you can come with me to Salvador Dali's house. Yep. Okay. Yep. (laughs) He also wrote Electric Vendetta. Oh, we like that episode. So he wrote this episode and Electric Vendetta and a bunch of Lovejoys, and then he just stopped. Well, Lovejoys before this, but... Speaking of conspiracy theories this week, I gotta say, I am really sick and tired (laughs) of 
news outlets picking up conversation about Midsummer that fans share all the time and running it like it's news. Okay. It, it, like, I, hey, Midsummer I viewers think, jo- joke that Joyce is the real killer. This is world breaking news. No, it's not. I think this link I bait. Think, I think that the newspaper is called The Telegraph, right? Oh, but the Guardian ran something too. And I, it was like five newspapers who ran stories. It's definitely picked up by the wire and England yeah. filled in content. And it's, it's like some guy on Reddit said Jar Jar Binks was in yeah, Midsummer. Midsummer. It's like, <laughs> that's not news and that's not the fan base. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're going to run a story, give us something that we don't know. Yeah. To, to, to try to generate a headline out of fans are talking. And it's tough because sometimes they do. When John Nettles talked about how he left, he left. Midsummer, Midsummer because he didn't want to be he the oldest TV detective. Didn't want to, that's news. That's that was an insight that I, I had yeah. never heard yeah. him say before. But there's been one about that he breathes hard and people fans find it difficult. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, fans have noticed this inconsistency in this episode. Yeah. Like when it aired, everybody noticed it. What are you talking about it now for? Yeah. And I'm like, and plus we have a podcast about yeah. that. My fear is that, you know, I'm clicking on these things to check them out and I'm just encouraging them <laughs> because I'm clicking on them. Yes. But I have to. <laughs> I have to know. We'll click on them so you don't have so to. So you don't have to. Yeah. Okay. On with the episode. Yes. Yes. Okay. We start in Midsummer. Oh, no. No, no we don't. We start in Borneo. Borneo, which is the third largest island in the world. Mm-hmm which is actually part of Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this mountain, Mount Kinabalu. 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 Yeah. That's a real mountain. Yes, it is. There's a real park there. And there is an orchid that comes from there that's very rare. Yes. All of that. It's a Rothschild, not a Roth. Oh, by the way, (laughs) I found a guy on YouTube who is, he's, he's, it's like, because I saw this set. And I was like, I wonder what the forest of Borneo is actually like. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know. I've never been How there. How accurate is this? Yeah. Because they're not in Borneo. I'm sure, you know, you all noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched a video of Dr. Alistair Robinson. And I'll post this video. He, first of all, he's a good looking dude. Hey. And second of all, he is in the forest searching for orchids where they are. Yes. <laughs> where they are supposed to be. Yeah. He, he's looking for an orchid that's like the size of the tip of your thumb. Yeah. It's this tiny it's little orchid. It's impressive that he finds any of them. Yeah. It's a great little video. It shows you what jungles actually look like. I spent the whole five minutes going, there's a snake going to jump out <laughs> of nowhere and eat him any minute. Oh, you edit that out, you know? When I uh, saw this episode for the first time, I was convinced that Madeline and Jimmy were on a a soundstage. I also thought that. But they're not. They're actually... uh, So this this set was built by a company called Living Props UK. And on their property, in addition to their greenhouses and all that stuff, and they do some really cool plant props. So they're plant prop specialists. Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, up to trees that are like a hundred feet tall, they move in like these trees that you see on a set that look like they've been there forever. Yeah. Yeah, They just trucked it in and put it there. 
So I'm like a director and I have, uh, say I'm doing a scary movie in England and I need a scary tree. Yeah. They can bring you one. Oh, nice. They did one where um, the tree needed to rub up against a window and make a scary sound. So they brought a leafless tree that's all gnarly into the set, put it in the right place so that it could actually rub up against the window. Nice. They do that kind of stuff. It's really, really incredible work. But on their property, by all their greenhouses and all that stuff, they've got a little runoff pond that's like next to the parking lot. And they converted that into Borneo. Because the pond is the special thing. Yes. Right? The water. The trees and stuff like that, they could be in pots and stuff like that. You cut it out of the frame and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's easy. But they were like waist deep in water. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's it's a runoff pond yeah. on their property. And on their website, you can see what it looked like before. <laughs> And then they trucked all the stuff out of their greenhouses and decked it out and the actors slugged through it and they probably put it all back. For easily 30 seconds of yeah. on screen time. Well, a little more, like yeah. two minutes, the cold opening. But it's I, exotic. I will, uh, I will put a link to their site in the show notes. So they're trudging through together. Madeline and Jimmy, who love each other. There's some fantastic jungle sounds if you didn't listen to them. <laughs> yeah. Like the thing about Alistair Robinson's video that I noticed was there's not those jungle no, sounds. No, it's a different sound. But they're they're trudging through. They're clearly looking for something. At one point, Jimmy even kind of puts his hands in his pockets like he's sort of sullen. Like, no, no, you don't do that. When you're in water in a jungle, you you have your hands ready to go. Yeah. To fight off the crocodile, the snake, the tarantula. At least I would. Yeah. But they're they're looking for a log that he had seen before. And, and he, had cut, he had cut notches into it to yeah. find it again. They find it and they find the yellow Roth orchid. And he quickly just, you know, cuts it off. Incredibly rare. Probably the only one in existence that they know of. Yes. Let's cut it. Which I understand the root ball is what you want. But he just snips it off. And okay, so she can put it in her belly pack and smuggle it home. I get it. But then the first time we see it in midsummer is at Harry Plummer's place, and it's already bloomed again, and even though it's supposed to take a year to bloom. So they're, they're in Borneo, and they come back to midsummer. And that is like in a matter of weeks, and yet... It's bloomed again. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, there's some problem there. So the orchid that they're referencing, it's, it's interesting because they kind of take some information from a, a real orchid that actually does grow on Kinabalu in the National Park in Malaysia. The, the orchid that that park is known for is called Rothschild's Orchid. Okay. And it sells for about $5,000 a plant. $5,000? Even though it can now be grown and propagated in greenhouses everywhere, it is still that rare. I'm sorry. I was playing Scott there. <laughs> it, that, that's not the most expensive orchid I've found. Oh, I know. There are know. some real orchids that sell for much, much more than that. Yeah. But yeah, so she stuffs it in her uh, belly pack so she can smuggle it home. And, and Madeline heads back to the UK. And, and leaves Jimmy behind, I guess, to follow her at some point. But there's another person in this scene. Mm-hmm. Boy. Boy. Who is clearly a man of 25 or more. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just called Boy because he just says, your taxi's here, and yep. then disappears. That's it. He's not done a lot more acting, by the way, that, oh, that actor. Boy no, he's, has not. He's got like four, four credits on IMDb, and most of them are like, you know, boy type roles. So. It worked, you know? Yeah. 
We're back to midsummer though. And of course we have to have an event. Well, okay. So because that's where bad shit happens. Before the event, I have two things. Okay. One, I think the bike and the basket that Dr. Wynn Stanley is driving. Mm -hmm. The butcher's bike. Is a little veiled reference to Midsummer's, uh, to Badger's Drift. Yeah, because it's orchids and a a bike with a basket. Yep. And she's driving the same way and the shots are kind of in the same order. I think it's a callback. I don't think it's a direct reference, but... Yeah. I think it's a callback. I like butcher's bikes. I think they're really cool. Yeah. Their front wheels are small to accommodate that big basket. And they have those cool kickstands. Yeah. Yep. If I was going to have a bike, because I always carry so much crap around with me every time I go to work. Yeah. When I used to go to work. What is go to work? (laughs) (laughs) I always thought if I was going to ride a bike, it would be a butcher's bike because they're upright. You're not like leaning over like a racer or anything. And you can carry a lot of stuff. The just, bike I want kind of looks like one. Yeah, it's so. cool. The other thing, and because I watch Midsummer in a weird way now because of this show, this damn show, behind her, she turns a corner. First of all, there's a wee horse and buggy in yeah. the background with two women on it, and one of them has a puppy. <laughs> okay. Okay. But there's a sign that says Ashton Road, uh-huh. which is interesting because... Near where I came from, Canada, there's a little village called Ashton. So I was interested in that. So this is a sign that has directions in multiple ways. Like, go this way for yada yada, go that way. Ashton Road, this way. Okay. And also on it is a sign for Wildlife Hospital. Okay. So, of course, (laughs) I did a search for Ashton Road and Wildlife Hospital. Yeah. Now, Wildlife Hospital is not a vet. Okay. Okay. It's it, like a rescue center. It's a rescue center. For wild animals. If you have a badger that's hurt on your property, you take it to the wildlife center. Yeah. The only one I could find in England was Tiggy Winkles. Tiggy Winkles Wildlife yep. Rescue? It's on Ashton Road in Haddenham, Buckinghamshire. <laughs> you really butchered that. <laughs> I did. I did. Buckin- B- Buckinghamshire. It's no, you got to drop a syllable there, I think. Buckinghamshire. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Hadnam. Hadnam. <laughs> Miss Tiggy Winkles makes sense. No, just Tiggy Winkles. It's not oh, Miss. But still, Tiggy yep. Wink- it makes sense to name it Tiggy Winkles. Yep. Yeah. It, it looks like a fun place. <laughs> <laughs> they have a colorful sign. Uh, yes, so the, the do is the annual flower and orchid show at Mallam Manor today. So Professor Wynn Stanley is on her butcher bike. Um, Margaret. One Who of the we must assume has a PhD in botany. Yes. One of the many middle-aged to older ladies who are lascivious in this episode. Agreed. She's played by Harriet Walter, who is an amazing lady. I mean, she's been in all kinds of things yeah. and does all kinds of good work around the world. I mean, just she's done Guantanamo Bay protests and uh, Greenpeace stuff yeah, and she does I mean, a lot animal of rights sort of stuff. stuff. Just amazing um, stuff that she does. What I didn't know about her, and I have to tell you how I found out. How, the order in which I learned the following facts is important. She is the niece of Giddy Lee. Getty Lee or Christopher Lee? <laughs> okay, so you just you just got it. All right, so... The first thing I saw was that she was the niece of Giddy Lee. Now, Giddy, not Getty. But I was like, Getty Lee? You mean the lead singer of Rush? 
a how fantastic can, Canadian prog rock. How group. can she be his niece? That's yes, not right. It's not right. Giddy Lee is a woman okay. who was married to Christopher Lee. Okay. And um, Harriet Walter is. Christopher Lee and Getty Lee were married. I know. <laughs> they would be the oddest couple ever. <laughs> Christopher Lee's all spooky and Getty Lee's like. Ah! But they're both. They both have albums of hard rock material. Oh. Now, Giddy. Giddy. Giddy is her name. G-I-D-D-Y. Yes. And she was, she was Christopher Lee's wife. Giddy is who um, uh, Harriet Walters actually blood related to. Okay. Right. Not. And Christopher Lee was her yes. uncle. Yeah. But wow. What a cool uncle he would be. Like, oh can you gosh. imagine? It'd be like having Vincent Price for an uncle. In It'd the be world so of fun. cool uncles, he would certainly <laughs> be one of the coolest. As into Halloween as I am, I would have been taking advantage of that relationship. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Christopher Lee is one of our absolute favorites. <laughs> yeah. But the first reference I saw was Giddy Lee, and it didn't include the fact that <laughs> she was married to Christopher Lee, and I was thinking Getty Lee, and I'm like, what? No. No. And just the, the, the family pictures that were popping up in my head were bizarre. <laughs> bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. Anyway, that's Win Stanley. Yeah. She's got this assistant, Jonathan Makepeace. So she shows up in the manor. Did you recognize the manor? Mm-hmm. What, what's the manor? A manor used in another episode? Which yeah. one is it? It's in the one where uh, the guy's wife is burned in the car accident. Yes. Which has another Star Wars reference. Yes. That's right. Um, uh, Harriet Walter and her uncle, Christopher Lee, were both in Star Wars movies. Insert Star Wars sound now. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. This, okay... Having been a graduate student for many, 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 many years before I finally we finished. Both were. We're both. Um, and been a graduate assistant. I can easily say that my graduate ex assistant experiences were way better than Jonathan's because none of my advisors ever encouraged me to have a, an affair with an old lady to get information. Oh, you didn't have that? No. Oh. <laughs> In your media studies stuff, did your chair try to put you up to sleeping with old ladies? No, no. Okay. No. I was like, because maybe we should stop talking about Midsummer and talk about that. I know. <laughs> I know that academia is a hotbed of of problems. There's no chair in common sense. Yeah, that is the best line of the episode. <laughs> it's so true. If anybody's been in academia of any sort, you're like. Amen, brother. <laughs> I've seen people who are some of the smartest people I know who are so specifically knowledge, they have trouble getting their car door open. Yes. <laughs> you just hope you're not one of those people and you just haven't noticed yet. Yep. All of the extras at this flower show are Inclu fantastic. Including the guy with the bow tie. Yes. And I, and I can only assume that they are an actual, like, you know, flower society of some sort that they kind of brought in to be extras there, there's one young woman i'd say she's 16 18 somewhere in yeah there, and she's on the verge of laughing oh every... she's gonna crack up the camera has to pan away from her constantly yeah because she looks like she's about to laugh and this um great jazz band made out, out of uh completely out of, of small men in blue shirts yes and they're good they're not bad no they play okay they play new orleans jazz according to the credits <laughs> And and Tom, of course, is running the tombola. Now, I'm going to get Greenland here. Okay. The ADR in that tent 
is maybe some of the worst ADR in the show. Okay, you need to explain. So ADR is additional dialogue recording. So when they do the original filming, the audio that they got isn't great. And so they bring actors into the studio to re-record that audio and they dub it in. Yeah. Okay. And it's usually you hear different levels and stuff like that. Yeah. But it is, it doesn't even sound like Tom at certain points. <laughs> roll now up, it's, roll it's clearly up. Tom. Yeah. But, but that vest he's got on is special. Oh boy. I don't is know it what ever. that is. So he's running Tombola. Right. So Tom's Tombola. Tom's Tombola. You put a bunch of papers with numbers in them. Tickets. In the Tombola. Mm-hmm. You fold them over once. Right. You roll a roll around. It's a raffle. Yeah. Yeah. For one pound, you get one ticket. And for five pounds, you get six tickets. Thanks for pointing that out. It's critical. if it has a zero in the number. (laughs) You win a prize. You win a prize. If you have a knot, you win a prize. Like an exciting tea cozy or a guide to Switzerland. Yes. Assuming that these... these, Kind of sucked. Yeah. Assuming these, um, the prizes have been donated, right? Yeah. The one guy wins the tea cozy again. He's like, I got that last year. Captain Tucker. Yeah. I, I have <laughs> major so problems with Captain Tucker in this episode. He's, he's really mean, only there to do that. He's mean to Tom. He wins first place. He stands behind Monroe. And that is all he does. He's not even interviewed. No, no. <laughs> but I get so pissed when he throws the tickets in Tom's face. Because he won the stupid tea cozy. And now Tom has to pick him up. But, yeah, he doesn't seem to care. He just rolls on. Roll up, roll up, roll up, roll up. And you know he's been roped into it by Joyce because she's organizing the whole flower show. So Joyce organized the whole thing. And yeah. she's, she's decided that next year she's not going to have anything <laughs> oh, to do <laughs> Well, I've already killed people related to this event. Time to move on. Then they give prizes. Right. With the judges. And the judges are Professor Wynn Stanley, mm-hmm. her boy toy research, research assistant, mm-hmm. some other woman. Yeah. And Joyce, who has shoebox of prizes. Well, it's like they're like certificates. So you get a certificate and you get a ribbon. Yes. You get nothing else, <laughs> yet this is the most intense competition ever. Because it's not about the prize. It's about the recognition, right? I guess. So Captain Tucker wins first, Monroe Hilliard wins second, and Henry Plummer wins third. I have, he's an ass under it. Uh, referring to which one? Uh, yes. Yes. All of them? <laughs> well, Monroe is not, he's... He's, he's a half He's an, an older man. He's an older man and acts like an older man, like we've seen older men. An older, wealthy, entitled man. Yes. But no, it's it's Henry, who I have is an ass. Yeah. Because, okay, first of all, where does Henry get his money? Because they are loaded. Yes. Okay. And retired, and he doesn't even look like he's 50. Yeah. What did he retire from? I don't and know. And they live in her parents' house? It, all these Which arrests. is a beautiful house, including an indoor pool that she didn't want to live in. And the worst greenhouse ever. But He t- has all his orchids around this giant pool of chlorinated water. Yeah. It would be so bad for them. But it would be a humid place. It would they be need humid. the humidity. But... Uh, yeah, she's so... His wife, Deborah. Ah, she, we'll get to her. Anyway, yeah. he has a little fit. Because yeah. he doesn't win first. I got Poxy third. 
He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would even care about competition. He wants them for himself, you know, yeah. to kind of like, he's like, he's like somebody who buys art and puts it in a private room so only he can look at it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he would care, but apparently he does. I think he loves those flowers. Yeah. I don't think he loves his wife. I don't Could think he, you? I don't know. I don't blame him for that. I don't think he loves himself, but he loves those flowers. Yeah. And then suddenly we've got Plummer with the yellow Roth and it's in bloom. Right. So he has somehow got that from Madeline. We find out she's That's after the, the day after the day. Right. She yeah. sold it to him. Yeah. And so he's got it there poolside ogling yeah. it. He's so yeah. happy. So still to come at the, the day we have Bidecker's guide to Switzerland. Yes. Cause Madeline wins it at the Tombola, which is a 1905 book, which is just brilliant. It is a thousand pages about Switzerland. And she says it's coincidental because she's about to head off to Switzerland to it's get married. All it's, it is a well-known sort of exemplar of travel and botany. Ah. So it has like weather report charts and it's a beautiful book. It's one of those um, awesome older books that's very compact. Yep. And is jam-packed with but stuff. There are, there are tons of fold-out pages. Yeah. This is a really special book. But good book. travel books should yeah. fit in your pocket, right? Yeah, Even if it has to be a large pocket. It's, it's one of those. It's a real book. and it, it's, Is there only a Switzerland guide? Did Baidecker do know. other guides? I don't know. You can get it about, for about 30 or 50 bucks on eBay. Yeah. So. It is very cool. Yep. We've got Plummer with the Roth that we know he got from Madeline. Yep. Um, we find out later she sold it to him for $150,000. Yep. It is miraculously bloomed just weeks after they said it would take a year it's for it to bloom again. It's never stated how he gets the money. No. Well, and he only gives her twenty five grand. Yeah. Like he's going to owe her. Yeah. I'm sorry. If I've got something worth $150,000, you are giving me at least half down, if not the money in full before you get it. Especially if you're going to ogle it near a giant pond of chlorinated water yeah there's no way i'd let you put 25 down on 150 thousand dollars no and then deborah's going to london (sighs) deborah played by amanda harris what she does really well in this episode is talk without moving her teeth apart she she does that very well (laughs) she does that very she's mad all the time and her teeth are attached to each other wouldn't you be mad all the time if he was your husband? I don't know. I would have divorced him a long time ago, I, I think. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I, you know, less her, more Win Stanley. I think we need to stick up for these ladies a bit more. I think you have a jaded view of them a bit. All I know is Deborah is angry all the time. And the way she expresses it is by keeping her teeth together when she talks. I only wish she said, (laughs) I'm going to town instead of London. That would have been the best part. Because I love what they call London town. (laughs) So then Harry Rose, the all around... Now, painter, Harry, decorator, repairman guy who's out on on uh, parole. He's the jack of all trades. Yeah, and finds he, Madeline's body. I think he's one of my favorite characters in the whole episode. He's good. He's a fun guy. Yeah. He comes out on top, too. Yeah, he's not squeaky clean. Nope. But he's having a good time with but his he life, takes, and he's not hurting anybody. He takes 100% responsibility for his mistakes. Yeah. Well, he killed a guy. He killed a guy. He said, I killed him. I did my time. Eight years. Eight years. He didn't, he didn't say, well, you know, it was an accident. Or it. He said, I did it. 
Yeah. Eight years. And he said, I've been keeping clean ever since. I've never heard of anybody who gets out on work release and starts their own company. Yeah, that's a bit weird. I'm not sure how he managed that one. Ah, England. (laughs) But he finds Madeline dead. They're obviously close. He's going to her house to make some kind of repair. He knows where the key is when she doesn't answer. Yep. Now, she's not in a nightgown. She's wearing her Roman costume. Greek, he says. Greek costume, right? Yeah. Because she taught classics before yes. she retired. Yes. Which is why she's got Socrates's bust head in her, in her living room. Yep. So, yeah. So, she's put on a costume to sit around the house. I, I think I it's her it. loungewear. Okay. I guess. That's kind of floofy loungewear. I mean, we can't all be, you know, Deborah. <laughs> Which I have to say with my teeth together from now on, we can't all be Deborah wearing our um, our nightie with our silk robe over it and our three inch heeled slippers. You know, we can't. But why does anybody wear slippers with high heels on them? I don't understand. (laughs) What I'm always amazed by is how Madeline has so much money and doesn't spend a stitch of it. (laughs) Her chair is ratty. She spends it traveling. Yeah. Like she does not put her money. Oh, into I don't her know. House. That cottage that she lives in is two floors. It's Tudor. It's got uh, beams in every room. That's a two million dollar cottage. But that's midsummer real estate, right? Yeah. Like I'm sure Harry Rosen lives in one too. <laughs> Everybody's got a beautiful thatched roof cottage that Harry they Rose, think is a dump. Sorry. Yeah, get Rose and yes, this is an orchid. get it, get Rose, it, get orchid. it. Yeah. Okay. Scott figures out she's off to get married through dubious evidence. That evidence is completely (laughs) dubious. I have a rhyme. I'll find stuff that matches the rhyme. I think I could walk into any room in our house (laughs) and find something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. But those knickers. Wow. (laughs) I think they came from What's-Her-Name's lingerie shop in the last episode. There's not a lot of material there. They're split crotch panties. Yep. Which, of course, Troy, uh, Troy not Scott t- holds up upside down to yep. demonstrate yep. she Madeline, was packing. Great dead body. Oh, fabulous dead body. Absolutely. Mouth fabulous. hanging open, eyes wide open, slumped yep. over. Her mouth must have got so dry. Yep. Great dead body. <laughs> and then uh, Scott does his magic with the safe. Yes. And just whacks the back of it off with an axe that just happens to be sitting around, I guess. And that the axe has words on it. It does? Yeah, it just has a bunch of initials on it. On I the handle or on the head of it? Yep. On the handle. Well, I don't know who made that safe, but they didn't do a very good job. The Hercules Safe Company made that safe. Of course you know that. <laughs> They're no longer in business. Well, <laughs> duh. <laughs> But uh, all I you got to do is pry the back of it off. I and couldn't find this safe. I couldn't find any reference that you can break their safes with this method. Well, originally. It's only there so that Scott can make a pun. Yeah. When I saw it the first time and Scott was putting his hand on it, I thought he was going to go. If you just like knock it like right here, it will open. You know, yeah. it's another reference to the fact that he's been a big city cop. Yes. The school of hard locks. <laughs> He just whacks the back of it off with a swing of an axe that I don't think I could make. Yeah. The back plate is maybe half an inch thick and he's got to hit it 
right at the seam between oh. the body of the safe and that. Having used a pickaxe yesterday, no way you could do that the first time. <laughs> Not without a lot of experience, but he does it. And he finds Madeline's diary yep, and, and her, account, her book. account book, both written in Latin with something that looks like a quill pen or a fountain pen or a calligraphy pen. I don't know. It not only is it in Latin, but I couldn't even make out the letters. Barnaby looks at this Latin and it reads ante diem sextum nonus maxima vulva. Okay. Which means before the day of the largest matrix matrix. Yeah. What? That's what the, the uh, Latin translator I found. I did it twice in two different translators and got the same answer before the day of the largest matrix yes okay that's what it says maybe it's like the day before a big event yes like tomorrow is a big day yeah i think they picked those words because they sound sexy because it's vulva and sextum (laughs) just like they use feckus later feckend feckend yes which always sounds gross to me uh, so Tom doesn't know real lot Latin. Scott doesn't know a lot of Latin, but in jo- comes Georgie. Georgie, talking about their robust sexual activity. Yes. Ew. Yeah. And says that uh, brother Robert up at the monastery we've never heard of. He can translate it. He'll do a good job. His name. No, I want a brother Robert's show. <laughs> I would watch that. I just where he I, solves crimes. I just love with, at the end. Well, you can just watch Cadfile. I just love at the end um, when he's given the eulogy because he knew all about Madeline. Oh boy, did read he her have diary. A, oh, I have. I have an idea of what he does later on. <laughs> so they take it to him. There's this whole thing about honey and bees mm-hmm. that is immediately dropped after this scene and never referenced again. Right. He reads the following. Dis Saturni un canis in via delicus fectum. Okay. Fecmus. Okay. Uh, then vinum bibimus a interim fecit. Okay. Okay. He says that that means uh, Saturday, we satisfied ourselves like street dogs. We drank wine and we did it again and again. Okay. It actually means we have done in the way of the delights of the day of Saturn is like a dog. In the meantime, we drank wine. <laughs> so he's sexing it up. Yep. From the, the literal translation of what she's writing. But he's close. Yeah. Okay. Because I put what he said into the translator and translated it into Latin. And so they're pretty close. And that is Saturni ut nos ipsi Saturnabatur plata canes bb venom nos fecit. It had fecit in it. They can't mess around with the Latin too much because they have to assume that some viewers will... No Latin. Anybody who studied classics will have learned Latin. Oh, it's time for Vesters. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> End of scene. <laughs> <laughs> and he just grabs the diary and runs. <laughs> Mine. That's it. It <laughs> might take me a while. Bye. You kind of forget about him for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Until the end. 
So then we have the next day where we go to the greenhouse to see um, Win Stanley and make peace. What is it about pockety vests? The day of the flower show was Saturday. Right. So this is Sunday. Yes. What academic do you know that goes to the faculty of botany? No, no, on no, no, no. This is Monday. So on Saturday, we have the flower show. And Sunday, they find the body. Sunday, they find the body. And, and on the Monday, day, Monday, yes, this is day three. They go to the university and see the pockety vest people. Yes. What point is there to wearing a pockety vest? I well, don't understand pockety vests. I know. <laughs> They get on my nerves. Their pockety vests are there to keep all their security keys because of these incredibly expensive. Oh, no. There is no security <laughs> at this place. The doors are wide open. Yes. Yes. With the very expensive flowers right inside the door. That you could just take. Now, I know there's a greenhouse at IU mm -hmm. where Indiana University, where we're near. It's right near our house. Not near our house. But yeah. We could walk there. Yeah. There's locks on that door. Oh, yes. And there's like keys to get in. And it's stuff. a very secure place. Yeah. This place, you could, the doors are wide open. The windows are wide open. You can just, just reach <laughs> in and take some orchids. And all the people who work at our gigantic greenhouse here on campus wear aprons. Mm hmm. Not vesty, pocketed. Not pocket. pockety vests. No. <laughs> they wear aprons because that's where they keep their tools, their notebook. Scott has hay fever, which is also conveniently forgotten for the rest of the episode. Yeah, it just means he gets to be sneezy in the greenhouse. But didn't Troy get hay fever too? Yes, he When did. they were around flowers? So it's a sergeant thing. So they show her the ledger. Now, remember, we know the ending. Right. So she knows where this ledger's from, and she already suspects Madeline of selling stuff. Oh, yes. So she's putting on some acting hats here. Oh, yes. She's got her acting pants on. She's pretending to be intrigued. But she says she's intrigued many times. Yes. 150,000 pounds to HP. There's somebody else, though, that she sells an orchid to for 5,999. Yes. Not 6,000. How did those negotiations happen? <laughs> That's what you sell one retail for. Yeah. I want 6,000 pounds for this. No. No, I'm not paying a cent over 5,999 pounds for that. Okay, I'll give you a pound back. There you go. There's a pound coin. Yeah. I don't get that at all. HP? Like HP Lovecraft? Like Harry Potter? No. No. Harry Plummer. Henry Plummer, sorry. And then what I like about this episode, as opposed to the last episode, is we're right into killing number two. Yo, yeah. Henry's dead. And Deborah finds him. Deborah finds him. He's in still her in slippers. his slippers. Yeah. She hasn't seen him for 36 hours. So he's been dead out there for a while. So her story is this that he went to town, went to Coston after she went to town, dressed up in his tux to see his girlfriend in some play. Yeah. And then came back. She thinks it's suicide. Well, yeah, she finds him hanging from a rope in the garage. I think that would be what your first assumption would be. And I got to tell you, again, great dead body acting. Oh, yeah. He does a really good job. Even in the morgue, he does a good Coloring, job. Coloring, it's really good. He's a good yeah, dead body. Yeah, the makeup's good, too. Yeah. And they find all his orchids in the pool. Trashed. Trashed. It's all trashed. Yep. 
all of his expensive, expensive flowers and cheap plastic pots are trashed. And then there's a quick scene where Monroe has the Roth and then it's not talked about again. Till later, later, later. Yeah. When he gets killed looking at it. Jimmy Fong shows up. We've seen him before. We saw him in Borneo. We haven't seen him since. Yeah. And he shows up at Madeline's and Harry knows all about him. Harry knows him and has to tell him that Madeline's dead. Let me tell you about Jimmy Fong. He's played by Saikit Jung. Okay. Who is um, originally from China. He's Cantonese. Fong means square. Oh, okay. By the way. But the interesting thing about this actor, Saikit Jung, he's got loads and loads of credits. Yeah, he's well known. He's been in a gazillion movies. Yep. Because they just churn him out in Asia. You know, like there are some years where he has like 10 film credits in in a year. Yeah, and he does English well, and he does, I'm sure he does Chinese well. Yeah, but there was a time in his career where all of his movies were extremely kinky movies. Extremely kinky? I'll give you some of the titles. Okay. Robotrix. Robotrix. Escape from Brothel. Escape from Brothel. Sex and Curse. The Skin Stripperess. Okay. Hot Desire. I'm assuming these are some fantastic B-movies from China. Oh, we're not even at the good ones yet. Okay. (laughs) One Third Lover. What's the other two thirds? I don't know. Sex and the Emperor. Okay. Seven Sexual Maniacs. Okay. Four Beautiful Amorous Ghost. Ghosts or Ghost? Ghost. Ghost, okay. Maids of Passion. Maids of Passion. And Legendary Couple. Legendary couple. Wow. <laughs> I think the skin stripper S is the one I want to see. Because <laughs> it does not sound sexy if she's taking off her own skin. Yeah, that's not, like, it's not good. That pole is not going to be pleasant. Nope. <laughs> it's like. It's the blood covered pole. It's like if Hellraiser meant, <laughs> meant a stripper movie. Oh, yuck. <laughs> Ew, yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> so they go to the autopsy we find out it's hemlock that she died from doesn't know if the plumber killed himself or not there might be an orchid war what knickers mm-hmm. that's that whole scene george what knickers <laughs> they go to see feathers feather mm-hmm. so who's feather first of all at the day of the event mm-hmm the flower show is being Monroe, held at the Hilliard Manor. Monroe Hilliard's wife comes out and looks around like, what are these people doing here? Now she looks around like, oh, I don't want these people here. And Feather's behind her going, yes, mom, I agree. So he is their butler. Yeah. Okay. Known only as Feather. Feather. He looks as old as they are. His name is Richard Simpson. Okay. And Richard has been in lots of things, of course. But since filming this show... He is best known for something you will not believe. Okay. He is the voice of many, many monsters in Power Rangers movies. (laughs) He did the voice of Galvanax in Power Rangers Ninja Steel. Okay. He was the voice of The Keeper, which looks like E.T., but with bushy eyebrows. Oh, I'll have to put a picture of that in the show notes. And Power Rangers Dino Charge. Okay. He was Metacor, which is who's a crab themed Megazord. Power Rangers filmed <laughs> in Japan. Yes. And then dubbed over again in America. Yes. And he does all of the bad guys. Wow. 
He was also Snapper in Power Rangers, Power Rangers Jungle Fury, who is a turtle-themed samurai thing. I don't know. It's like part <laughs> turtle, part samurai. Again, picture and show up. My favorite one, though, is a bad guy named Camdor. Okay. Uh, from Power Rangers Operation Overdrive. Oh. He is a blue cyborg warrior who inexplicably has a white fur collar. Now, he doesn't play these. Just voices them. Just voices the edits of them. Yes. Yes. But he is like, he's at all the Power Ranger conferences now. Yeah. All the cons. Wow. Feather is the man for doing the scary voices, apparently. We go, we go, we came to this conference just to see Feather. (laughs) The hole that I fell in. Yeah. For Power Rangers crap. (laughs) We're only getting started on holes. I know what a Megazord is now. (laughs) I never wanted to know, but I do know now. You never thought we'd have a crossover between Power Rangers and Midsummer Murders. There you go. There you go. Monroe's then, not home. No, because he's up on the, the hill the doing pie orchid crust. patrol. The Piecrest Downs near Piecrest Wood. This is the worst organized orchid patrol ever. They have a boom, boom bust, buster bust. A bluster bus? Yeah, they, they have that big old gun. <laughs> a big useless gun. Yeah. Blunderbuss. Blunderbuss. First of all, they haven't even put a rope around it. No, no sign, right? no nothing. No. Second of all, the entire Orchid Society is there together guarding it, but now, hiding. Now, wait a minute. The people who are there are Monroe. Mrs. Maitland. Captain Tucker. And the other guy. Other guy. <laughs> whose who's job it is to stand in the back and nod. And go, mm yeah, mm-hmm. but they all hide like 15 feet away from the thing and only come out when, when Scott, when his foot is like a foot away from it. Yeah. And then Hilliard points a blunderbuss at him to make him stop moving, which just makes him back up more. It, it does. And again, we have a sergeant who tramples an orchid. Yep. There's your throwback right yeah, there. Yeah, there it is. Even if they had just put the little popsicle stick with the ribbon next to it, it would have been easier for it to be protected. But and no, they couldn't learn from Badger's Drift. No, Barnaby tells them that Plummer's dead and Monroe calls him Parvenu. Which is an upstart, somebody yep. who's newly wealthy. Yep. Uh, new money. Basically. Yes. Previous to this, when they were in the house the first time when Madeline died, mm-hmm. I got sidetracked by the typewriter. She has a typewriter? She does. Okay, that makes sense. I'm a typewriter guy. I got sidetracked. Is that an interesting typewriter? It's interesting because I can't freaking find it. Oh, you don't know what kind it is? No, they don't show enough of it. Oh. Jimmy Fong, looking for the will, kind of moves around it, but I never see a nameplate or anything. It's green. It has white keys. It's old. If you couldn't figure it's it manual. out, nobody else is going to figure I it out. I think it's a royal. Nobody I'm, looks as closely as you do. I'm pretty sure it's a royal. And then we get to Madeline's passport. So at the cop shop, they have some evidence, right? It's Madeline's passport and a piece of paper from a travel agency. Now. The Midsummer Travel Agency. This piece of paper, this passport, and this travel agency were the next two and a half hours of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they were. I didn't get my first initial rewatch of the episode done because I was way down this rabbit hole. (laughs) Is it a real British passport? It looks real. It looks very real, but it has some weirdness to it. First of all, 
It has Madeline's date of birth as the following, the 22nd of May, 1979. Oh, bullshit. That woman is not younger than me. I'm sorry. It's not. No way. She, the actress was born in 1943. She is 22 years older than you. Now, my driver's license may have my weight listed at a little bit of a fib. But I'm sorry, I didn't lie about my birthday by 20 years, 30 years. It has a, a date issued, which is 96, and then a date for uh, where it goes away, which is May 2006. Goes away, meaning it expires. Expires. Okay. Because right? she's about to travel to Switzerland with Jimmy Fong so they can get married and have their honeymoon, right? Yes. So down at the bottom of your passport, if you haven't looked at your passport recently, you should go get it. Make sure that it's valid, first of all. Then at the bottom, there's a lot of greater than symbols. Yeah. Carrots. Carrots. And then usually your name in capital letters in there. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the same on Canadian passports. It's the same on British passports. It's, it's written vertically on the page at the edge. Yeah. 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 Usually it has your full name in here. Mm-hmm. Okay. In this passport, it says Catherine in all capital letters. Oh, so it's not her passport. And not her middle name. She has no middle name according to the passport. But that's the only part of the name you can see at the edge yeah, of the page. It just has Madeline Villiers. So they doctored <laughs> the kind of like profile part of the passport and forgot to doctor the edge of the page. And the Catherine woman must have a really short first name. You mean last name or, La- or Catherine's last, her middle sorry, name. Last name or Cat? No, it only says Catherine. Did you look through the production assistants to see if any of them are Catherine? I did. And? No. Oh. <laughs> So it's not the poor woman whose credit card got exposed on an earlier episode. No, 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 no. no, no. But they so definitely they, borrowed they somebody's took the picture and they laid it over. It looks like a decent. It's well done. Yeah, it's well done. It's one of those careers that I I could see myself getting into, creating these documents for these yeah. things. And the next thing is, oh, woo! You get a midsummer travel voucher. Hmm. Because she's arranged her travel through the Midsummer Travel Agency? You know, Midsummer Travel, it's your gateway to the world. <laughs> Straight from Midsummer to anywhere. It says, with compliments. You paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> they gave you that piece of paper for free. It says, Midsummer Travel, 101 High Street, Coston, MD4, 4DN. Okay. And then it gets good. <laughs> Underneath that is the Midsummer Travel number and the fax number, but both are obscured, so you can't get the full number. But what is not obscured is the website address for Midsummer Travel and their email address. Okay. We'll do the email address first. The email address is midsummertravel at costa.org, which is not how this works. They would have their own email address. Yeah. Because they own their own domain. Right. And their domain is Midsummer travel.co.uk okay which is how british company urls go urls go right first i looked up the costin domain Mm -hmm. costin.org okay and that's owned by some guy in canada i don't know who i sent him an email (laughs) i sent an email to that address it came back instantly saying bounced the email it doesn't exist okay so they made that up okay then i went to that website. Midsummertravel.co.uk. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go to that website on your phone. Okay. You can play along at home by going to midsummertravel.co.uk. 
Huh. What does it show? Uh, the Midsummer Maniacs website. Because <laughs> I own this domain now. <laughs> that may be a new height of nerdiness for you. Congratulations. I typed this domain into our service provider and it said, this is available. And I clicked on the button. You're like, not anymore. For $11.95, I now own this domain. Midsummertravel.co.uk. I may have had to fib a bit. I had to provide some business number. I just put in random numbers. It was probably a VAT, a VAT number. Yeah, I don't care. I put in random numbers. You probably numbers. broke the law. We're not in the UK. We can't have a UK domain. I checked the box that said, not a UK company. <laughs> Oh, I can see where this is going now. You're going to start buying every domain you see in Midsummer. <laughs> Perhaps. Maybe. You are too funny. That's brilliant. Never mind that the travel agency keeps their records in Microsoft Works. Okay, we're not even to the travel agency yet. We're still at the cop shop. <laughs> So, okay, what other nerdiness things so, did so you find? So now they go to the travel agency because Barnaby goes, well, we know somebody who works at a travel agency. And I was like, yeah, four seasons ago. Yeah. Nope, she works there again. She still works there in her little uniform. Yeah, with her neckerchief. So Scott goes over to see her. Cully. Cully. And he comes through the door and again, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> because behind the door, across the street, is the library. Is a library, which is Wallington Branch, Watlington Branch Library. Okay. I was like, there can't be many of these. No. There isn't. There is but one. And it, it is located on the high street in Watlington in, in the UK. Across the street is a white painted shop that has the right windows, the right door. I checked mm -hmm. everything, which is Smith and Partners. They're a estate agent. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So they, that's where they are. Where is Watlington? Is it even in Oxfordshire? Yeah, it is. Okay. So uh, there's a giant monument right outside the door that they do a really good job of not showing. It's like a World War II and World War I monument. Gotcha. Well, again, as in the last episode, when it was so cheap to go to Bali, apparently you can go from midsummer to what, LA or San Francisco? Florida. Oh, the Florida. 5th of September for 14 nights. At a Quality Inn Plaza for 399 pounds. From Heathrow. From Heathrow. So it includes flight. It's on the sign. It's got to be true. I want to know where these cheap trips That's come from. incredibly cheap. You can't travel that for now. Now, Cully can't give him the information because of the Data Protection Act, which is a real thing, okay? She says, I can't do it, Dan. Unless... You come back in and sit down. Yes. I'm sure I can work something out like, forget what I just said. I'm just going to look at a spreadsheet anyway. It's and fine. She pulls up Microsoft Works. Now, if you don't know what Microsoft Works is, it's like a cheap version of Microsoft Office. Yeah. It was the free version, kind of. Kind of. You yeah. still had to pay for Microsoft Yeah, Works. but it was cheap. Yeah. And it came with a lot of computers. Yeah. So they must have a spreadsheet for every customer. And yeah, and it, it's the information super easy and it's all right. And where they traveled and Jimmy Fong's in there. And I looked at the spreadsheet. It's well, fine. And Jimmy and Madeline share an account. Yes. And have for a long time. Well, they're kissy kissy. So they're obviously a couple. Yeah. No question. Nope. But we, but 
But Barnaby and Scott don't know who Jimmy Fong is yet. No, they don't. They haven't seen him. Nope. But we do see the next person, and it's familiar. Jocelyn. Jocelyn! This is his last appearance in Midsummer. Everybody's solicitor. And he's a uh, versatile solicitor, too, because not only does he do estate planning, but later he becomes a criminal lawyer. Yes. (laughs) Representing Jimmy Fong. (laughs) Yeah. He's very versatile. (laughs) We find out that Madeline left her whole estate to Jimmy. Yep. um, And that all of her money was held in a Swiss bank account. But only 25 of the first 150 from Plummer, from Plummer deposited went, went to the Swiss bank account. Yeah. The Swiss bank account paper is too small to read. But it has a big red cross at the top, so big, you know it's Swiss. You know it's Swiss. It, so. it could be the Swiss Army Knife Company, but, you know, okay. it's Swiss. So they're back to Madeline's house. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Harry's there because he's always there because, you know, he's finishing a job that she already paid him for. Isn't he honorable? But he doesn't do the yard. He's running a... Um, an outside line for water, yep. a tap. No, the... But he's not responsible for the, the lawn or the garden. So yes. He doesn't know anything about it. That's a young fella. Yeah. Do you know who it is? No. It's the graduate student. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Makepeace. Yeah. He does her yard. So not only does he have sex with old ladies, but also does yard work. On the side. <laughs> I don't know when he actually does any stuff. I know. Any graduate assistants are poor. Academic stuff. And Scott goes to this little greenhouse and pulls up a can a of slice awesome of fried gold. <laughs> They're looking for some kind of weed killer or something because they know that plumbers orchids were killed with some kind of chemical and they're yeah. so they're looking and Scott for it. makes a good deduction yeah go look there he goes right to the greenhouse where there's equipment being kept no flowers well a few flowers but not many and pulls up what looks to be like an old style gas can yes but it says apocalypse on the side apocalypse <laughs> best weed killer name ever also on the can are the following it says kills weeds instantly it also says not for consumption are you going to drink anything called Apocalypse? Sure. It says, keep upright in a cool place. And Harry says, it smells like mouse pee. No, he says the hemlock smells like mouse pee. Yeah, he says he knows nothing about the Apocalypse clean weed killer, mm-hmm. yet that goes on to talk about it. Right. And then says she grew hemlock because he planted it for her, though he doesn't do anything with the yard. Yeah. But knows right where it is because exactly. he planted it. And he yep. says it smells like mouse pee. Yes. Now, I didn't know what mouse pee smelled like. So I had to look it up. Okay. Now, mice, apparently, if they live somewhere for a long time, just their body odor can smell a bit like urine, like okay. animal urine. Okay. But their actual pee smells like popcorn. Oh. <laughs> Does hemlock smell like popcorn? I don't know if hemlock smells like popcorn or if it smells like mouse B.O., which smells like pee. I don't know. I don't have any hemlock growing. It's not a pretty plant. No. She grew it because she's a classics teacher and because Socrates died of hemlock poisoning. And she thought if she was ever too ill, she would drink it. So she kept some in a bottle in her living room. When Scott touches the apocalypse and pours it in the glass and he does all the stuff with it. Mm -hmm. Um, the ghosty noises in the background. Well, then he pours it on a poor little morning glory that shrivels immediately. Yes. Of course, we looked into whether or not Apocalypse Weed Killer is an actual thing. 
It, it is, but not that brand. No. There is a weed killer called Apocalypse. I just want the can. Yeah. It's awesome. I may, I may try to make that prop. I've been looking for props to make. I think I'll try to make that prop. And then we get to see that Madeline has an incinerator, which I understand having a can that you burn paper when I was and a stuff kid, like that. We had one. Yeah. yeah. But would you put cans in it? Uh, no. Or glass bottles? No. I mean, it's for like paper and pizza boxes, cardboard, and yeah. I, I desperately want a menu for midsummer cost in pizza. <laughs> it didn't say anything on the pizza box that we could recognize, but. Oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. But you wouldn't put cans and bottles in your incinerator. Nope, nope. So they go to the professor's house, and it's like they show up unannounced because she's in her bathrobe. This scene's just stupid. (laughs) The scene is just there so she can make eyes at Scott. Yeah. Yeah, and ooze glamour. (laughs) It's so the bulbousness and the fecundity and blech. So there's a couple of things that we need to cover, and then we'll cover the rest of the plot. Yeah. They go back to the cop shop, and there's a binder there. Mm-hmm. You wanted to know what it said. It says, Guide to Classification of Crime. Ah, okay. So you go to that to get the right classification. To get the code. Yep. For a crime. Yes. And they also go to the pathologist's office another time. Mm-hmm. And while they're there, in the background is a left-handed woman writing on a whiteboard. <laughs> It's like she's writing a schedule or something, but it, it seems to be out in a public hallway. I don't know why that's where they would keep their schedule. It says pathology department doctors at the top. Mm-hmm. And there's some doctor's names. But what she writes, the first word is midsummer. I cannot <laughs> tell what the other words are, but the first word is midsummer. <laughs> is there anything else there that you want to talk about? Or can we go on with the plot? We can go on. With okay. The so then we, we get to go back to the plumber's house. And talk to Deborah. And Rose is upstairs packing up Henry's clothes. Yeah. And singing. Yeah. I think he spent the night. You do? Yeah. I think Henry, Harry's getting lots here. He gets, he gets Madeline. He gets Deborah. I, I think he could probably have Dr. Uh, Wayne Stanley if he wanted her to. Well, and he's, when he admits to sleeping with Madeline, he says she needed the practice. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's not like a bike. <laughs> Well, and she's already having sex with Makepeace. Yeah. Waiting for Fong to come back. It, 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 she's not that out of practice. Well, I haven't done it since yesterday. I could use the practice. I'd hate for Jimmy to get home and me be out of practice. Don't you mean the delivery driver? <sighs> it's so sad. So in the most racist moment of Midsummer so far. Of this episode. Yes. So far. Yes. We have Jimmy, Jimmy Fong, Fong pretending, pretending to, be to be a stupid Chinese person. Kiss me duck with barbecue sauce. <laughs> it's just the worst accent ever. It's so bad. Well, and then when they go to the restaurant that he's supposedly delivering for, they talk to the owner whose name is Wang Tu Ho. He's played by a guy named Chewy Bay, uh, who has been in a ton of movies and who has no accent. Of course he doesn't. The accent that he puts on is horrible yes it's it is so racist yes i feel bad for actors who get who get asked to do that yeah it's just horrible you know when they speak perfect english which you know they studied very hard for which jimmy fong the actor who plays jimmy fong yeah, does psychic young 
And and, and Chewy Bay both were born in, in China, but, but have excellent English skills. So yeah. they worked very hard at some point in their life yeah. to learn that second language and to speak it so well. Yeah. And then they get asked to do roles where they go, me sell crispy duck. <laughs> you want just, barbecue sauce? It's just it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. But he does have, uh, you know, he has that handy dandy delivery bag with him so he can convince people. Yes. Yeah. Rose slept, says he slept with Madeline because she needed the practice. Yeah. He says that he didn't know a lot about her flowers, except he had got her a warden cabinet. Yes. Took me a while to find what a warden cabinet was. I assumed it was the white cabinet with glass in it in her house. Yeah, that tiny like terrarium. It's like a birdcage, but with glass. It's like a tiny conservatory. Yes. Right? It's actually a wardian cabinet. Wardian. Like Edwardian? Without the Ed. Yeah. Wardian. Because it was um, invented by a guy named Dr. Nathaniel Bagshaw Ward. Wow. The third. Yeah. In 1829, when it was a big deal, everybody was importing flowers from all over the place. Yeah. You've got these people who would bring flowers back and then they wanted to keep them alive in their conservatories and stuff. And the the environment was just wrong. Which I can understand. And so he stumbled across, accidentally he discovered that a cabinet that was sealed with glass, he was trying to get a, a chrysalis to um, open up okay. uh, this some moth he was trying yeah. to study. And he put it in a jar yeah. with some like leaf mold at the bottom. Yeah. And the chrysalis did open, but then a fern spontaneously grew out of the leaf mold. Oh. And he'd been trying to keep ferns alive for years. And he went, ha ha. Okay. All I need to do is trap the humidity inside a container and the flowers will grow. And so he built those houses. What do you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of hard to find as you, I'm sure you can guess because the glass breaks and, and they do have to be sealed pretty much. It's a tight seal. Yep. Now, you know. So over time with discussions with the lascivious doctor, they figure out that there's been a plot. Yes. And the plot is. That the doctor and the graduate student were using the graduate student's sexual prowess <laughs> with Madeline. Make peace with seducing Madeline to find out about her flower smuggling. So that they could be orchid smuggler police. Yes. And she was really into this. <laughs> yes. And make peace was so smooth that he would have sex with her and then immediately after, while still in bed, go, who's your partner that you smuggle flowers with, huh? Yeah. And she would never tell him. Yeah. He's so smooth. Smooth. <laughs> and then Monroe gets killed with a pitchfork. Yep. Our second pitchfork death. Yes. <laughs> but from behind. With- and then when they confront Jonathan about it, he says, oh, I can claim that was self-defense and you can't prove any different. Like, I beg to differ because you stabbed him in the back <laughs> through a chair. <laughs> a chair. So he was attacking you and you defended yourself by stabbing him in the back through a chair. And you left and you came back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not self-defense. No, not at all. Speaking of farm implements, they go to a greenhouse to confront the graduate student. What's his first name? Jonathan. Jonathan and his hair. Yes. And he has the Roth. Yes. And putting the cut flower in... No, he's got the bulb. The roots are there. But he's going to plant it 
in the palm house to hide it. That has no security. Yeah. Okay. And apparently he's going to plant it in full view. Yeah. Like he's not even behind some Maybe trees. Maybe he made a little sign too. <laughs> <laughs> this is not an orchid. Yeah. This whole episode is about orchids, right? We, yeah. we see tons of them. Orchis fatalis. Some of them are real. Yeah. Some of them are not. And personally, I do not find them that pretty. Some of them are very beautiful. They've got really wild colors. Absolutely. They're gorgeous. Like tagger, lily, white type ones. Yeah. yeah. But there are 25,000 species of orchids. There are more species of orchids than there are mammals. Wow. Okay. That tells you anything. So one question I have, and I'm hoping a listener will be able to figure this out, is when they find Monroe's body with the pitchfork in his back, above him, kind of like hanging from the ceiling, is some kind of orchid. Yep. It almost looks like pitcher plant. Yeah, it's some weird plant. I tried to it's find it. It's some kind I of couldn't. octopus, bulby, nasty thing hanging from put, the ceiling. I'll put a picture in the show notes of it. I couldn't find out what it was because when I searched for hanging orchids, I, all I got was information about, like, you can kind of grow them upside down, you know, and I, I couldn't find an orchid that grew like that. The other thing I learned is that, well, there is an orchid that recently sold for 202,000 pounds. Wow. But it's not even a wild orchid. It was a lab-created orchid. Okay. It's called Shenzhen Nongi. People who collect orchids and are crazy about them have orchid delirium. Orchid delirium. That's okay. what it's called. Like the slightly racist, well, not even slightly, Japanese buy them with little white delicate flowers. Yeah. Like, wow. Racist much. Racist much? There are more species of orchids native to Indiana than there are to Hawaii. But why don't they grow in our backyard? Because we don't live in a wooded, swampy place, which is where they like to be. You haven't been to the backyard lately. <laughs> <laughs> kind of crazy out there. But the, the, the crazy thing that I found about all these people who actually collect orchids is that they're not really concerned with whether they're beautiful or not. I mean, some people do collect certain kinds of orchids yeah. that they really like the look of. But people who have this wide variety of species that they're like, got to get them all. They're kind of like Pokemon orchid collectors, right? They want one of each of all kinds. Pokemon orchid is now the name of the episode. Don't forget Power Rangers too, you know. Um, there are some absolutely hideous orchids. Okay. Now it's your time to Google. Google hammer orchid. Hammer orchid. Yes. Okay. You can play at home. Google Hammer orchid. It is hideous. Oh. It's super gross. <laughs> it's black and it's hairy. Oh. It's nasty. <laughs> and very rare. And it kind of looks like a scrotum and penis. But black and hairy. Yeah. And kind of shriveled up. <laughs> it's really gross. Wow. That's an ugly flower. But the worst one, I can't even tell you to look up because you'll never be able to spell it. It's called the Bulbophyllum phalaenopsis. And it looks like long, red, hairy tongues. This is going to be an interesting show notes, kids. And quote, smells like a hundred dead elephants. Wow. <laughs> it smells worse than a corpse plant. Wow. Like there are greenhouses that have collections that won't even grow it because it's so gross. Now, if you don't know, a corpse flower is a flower that flowers very rarely. Like once every hundred years. And when it does, it smells like rotting meat. 
Yeah. And we had one in our greenhouse here at IU. IU greenhouse has one. Yeah. They do not have a Bulbophyllum phalaenopsis. Okay. That smells of a hundred dead elephants. <laughs> not 99. Not 99. A hundred. That, here's an extra elephant. One plant <laughs> smells of a hundred dead elephants. It's so nasty. It is so gross. Not all orchids are created equally. And let me just say that. Okay. So Jonathan's in the greenhouse and they confront him. Yes. And he he threatens him with a shovel. He has a weapon. And then there's a Matrix scene. Yes. Where Tom, Scott, and Win Stanley all slow motion dodge. They duck the shovel. The shovel. And then he jumps over a fence into a boat. (laughs) What is his escape plan? Well, first he locks himself in between two fences with razor wire at the top. And then has to- Why is that area even there? (laughs) That's their security. It's so strict. I well, thought he was going to impale his own phalaenopsis on the um, spears at the top of the fence, but he clears those to jump into a boat. And then the next scene, he's in the hospital with his broken leg and looks all beat up. Now, in the magazine, they have a picture of the staging of this stunt where there is a, there is a stuntman going over top of the railing towards the boats, but you see that they actually have like a big, like a, a thing to catch them. Like an inflatable cushion. Yes. So that this whole article is super interesting. I'll scan it in and I'll put it on the show notes. Yeah. But it is the dumbest getaway. It is. It's, it's a super dumb getaway. Like, yes, I know I've killed three people, but now I'll just jump in this boat and paddle away and never be seen again. Is that his plan? He's on like a punt. Yeah, like a canoe. Like Scott could have easily just grabbed him. Yeah. And then they get, they go, uh, you know, back and show him running into um, Monroe and killing Monroe. And he says that, you know, Mrs. Hillier has said like twice that Monroe was a conservationist. Yes. He collected orchids because his father did and his grandfather did. It was a family tradition and they protected them. Yeah. Yet he has the yellow Roth, which may be the only specimen in existence. Yes. But he's not going to breed it. No. Why wouldn't he? I don't know. That's how conservation works. He would want to breed it. He would. Well, first of all, he wouldn't own it. And he wouldn't put it in a plastic pot. He'd report them. Yeah. But then he would breed it. Yeah. To. It's weird. The to whole, continue the species. The whole ending is like, and I killed everybody. Yeah. And he strangles Plummer with a pre-cut plant tie that's just hanging over a bar. Yeah. And he doesn't strangle him very well. It doesn't look very convincing. Well, I'll tell you, those plant ties, first of all, they're not very strong. No, it'd snap right away. Because they, if they were too tough, then they would damage the plants that you use to exactly. them to support. And second of all, they're biodegradable. Because you want them to break down when the plant is too big. Yeah. They should be easy to remove and not hurt the plant. So they make it look like it's like a plastic rope kind of thing. Because he's got like a gouge in his neck from it. Yeah. Uh, It wouldn't happen. There's just a whole bunch of, and then the grad student goes nuts and kills everybody. Yeah. this episode. So what's his motive? His motive is I want the money from the plant. So then why is he putting in the... He's hiding it, but he needs it to live. Yeah. You'd think he would just take it home in a pot. 
even in the pot that Hill that Monroe had. It yeah. <laughs> he rips it out of the pot and leaves the empty pot behind, which is a big mistake. Yeah. Because then it's clear that somebody took it. If he just took the whole pot, they would have never known they Monroe had it. never known. Nah. Oh, he's stupid. I mean, Mrs. Hilliard knew that she might have said something, but yeah, it's super dumb. I thought he was doing it. I kind of think sort of part of his motive. <laughs> yeah, his money. Yeah. But I thought part of his motive was that uh, he was so devoted to Win Stanley and her efforts to stop smugglers that he was sort of justifying it to himself that he was helping. That's what I thought when I started the episode, because I knew he was the killer. Yeah. The, but no, it's just money. Yeah. He says it. Yeah. And she clearly doesn't know the, the lengths that he's gone to. It's okay for him to seduce an old lady to get information out of her, but it's not okay for him to kill people. Yeah. That's just over the line. Yep. Apparently. Apparently. Best corpse of the episode. Oh, no, wait a minute. Oh, wait, what? You can't forget Brother Robert giving her eulogy at the funeral. Okay, yes. Because he knows her better than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and when Stanley and Fung go off to Borneo to scatter her ashes. Yes. I was looking into international laws about ash scattering. Yes. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, there are more laws about it than people think, right? Yeah. They think that they can just do it wherever they want to. You can't, obviously. Um, but I read this awesome article called, like, Nine Things uh, You Don't Know About Scattering Ashes. Yeah. That was written by a woman whose husband had died, and she decided to scatter his ashes around the world. And it's, like, uh, nine or ten things that she learned from doing that. Like, stand up wind. Yeah. Bring um, wet wipes because you'll have ashes all over you. Yeah. And um, don't put it in your checked luggage. <laughs> so, I don't know. They'd probably get arrested for doing it because that, um, that part of Borneo is a protected natural protected, area. Yeah. And, and that would be seen as, as pollution. Yeah. Yeah. Best corpse. I go for Madeline. Madeline has to win. I mean, Plummer is a Plummer close second. Is close second. But I go for Madeline. Yeah. And then after the credits. Okay. So when Stanley and Fong are going to go to Borneo. Yep. They're arm in arm. So, you know, and she's a goer. So. Yep. There's probably going to be some bonking. Yep. Um, and he's got some experience from all these movies that he was in. Uh, yes. You think Deborah Plummer, Deborah Plummer is broke? <laughs> no, I think she has some money. She could sell that house for the very least. True. Because they didn't mortgage, he didn't, if he remortgaged that house for the 150000 k That would be different. But we don't no, think no. he did. If he did, like, that's a tenth of what that house is worth. Maybe. So she could easily sell the house and get that. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Hilliard and Feather are just sad. Uh, I hope Mrs. Hillier gets a first name. I don't know. She married a wealthy landed gentry guy. Maybe she's not allowed to have a first name. Maybe. Who's going to take over the Orchid Society, Captain Tucker or Mrs. Maitland? I think they both. Because she, she appears to be a tough old broad. I don't think she's going to. search for purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and she searches for, they both search for first names. Yes. And that guy in the back is like, I don't even have a name at all. Nope. <laughs> Can I get a name now? Nope. <laughs> I think Harry Rose is good. Yeah, I think so too. He's he's still on parole, but I think yeah, he'll he'll keep on keeping on. I think Brother Robert makes bootleg versions of that journal and sells them all over the 
the uh, ecclesiastical establishment. Or uh, publishes a romance novel under a nom de plume. Yep. <laughs> Madame Roberta. We did it like dogs over and over with honey. And wine. Yes. <laughs> so you can find Midsummer Maniacs, Twitter, Instagram, and email, as well as midsummertravel.co.uk. You're so funny. Uh, we post on Facebook groups in Midsummer and Acorn, subreddit, anywhere else we find Maniac. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bye, Maniacs. <laughs> I just said it like Deborah Plummer. Yes, you did. Uh, next episode, number 39, episode four of season eight, Bantling Boy. Horses. I got to say, I, I don't have high hopes for this episode. Oh, there's some good stuff in there. There is? Oh, yeah, there's some gold. It's okay. buried, but there's some gold. Okay, because the two episodes after Bantling Boy are bonkers. Epic. Epic bonkers. Like, one of the episodes after Bantling Boy, I would say... Might make top ten. Oh, definitely. Maybe top five. Definitely. Of all time. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Be well. Yes. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Find something to laugh about. Yes. Even if you have to do it with your teeth together. Don't fight each other. Fight, fight the, the virus. virus. <laughs> Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Not for consumption. Why? Okay. So it's. Let's have a glass of apocalypse.